0: Drama whilst at college, how to mimic what you feel. Moving swiftly on to clerking At the Court of the Appeal Born in 1968, which makes him over 43 This man lives with Clayton Hickman And he writes for the telly Started out scripting for Brookside Moved to Coronation Street Had a go on Emmerdale And a bash at Swiss Tony All the whimsy that you'll find Lost in Gareth Roberts' mind He's a cracker of a writer with adventures you can't miss. He is secretly romantic. In the lodger, there's a kiss. Has a range of spin-off novels. Writes for the big finish team. And let's not forget the comics. For Doctor Who magazine In the end he's only human Though his gods are sometimes new He might say I am a Dalek But that really isn't true all the aliens that you'll find Deep in Gareth Robert's mind And the grass k- keep on attacking Pretty soon you'll end up dead Why did Shakespeare hit on Martha? Was it something that she said? When your vicar is a wasp, You'd better cover up your jam Is the sound of distant buzzing Just a rubbish kazoo band Because either one is likely If the mill does CGI On the Sarah Jane adventures Gareth made us want to cry When we knew that it was over But not how to say goodbye Oh, the heartache that you'll find Set in Gareth Roberts' mind Like a TARDIS in a vortex, like a wheel within a wheel Soppy endings, new beginnings, through worlds both fake and real Creativity defined, all the stories that you'll find Come from Gareth Roberts
1: Hello and welcome hello. to the. <laughs> sorry, I wasn't supposed to say anything.
2: No. <laughs> well, that's. Quite, I mean, I think that's a, as professional an introduction as we've ever had, really. Yeah, Gareth Roberts is on the show this week, everyone. Hello, hello, Hey, hello, hello. You are our second ever guest on the show, Whatever. and the first one who has written for Doctor Who the series. So that's pretty exciting. Who was your previous guest? <laughs> You're flat,
1: mate. Oh, right, right. Oh, I work with people on all the time.
2: I've written for Doctor.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flattered. You've gone into a screensaver. I'm sure that's all right. Yes, yeah, yeah.
2: We're just basically, we're going to interview everyone, but we're just going a house at a time. So once we've t-
1: ticked off your house, we'll go on to another one. Yeah, Jackie Lane. Jackie Lane next. <laughs> you probably don't know who that is, do you?
3: Jackie Lane, she played Dodo.
1: Well, there we are. Nah, you see.
2: Good. See, we have a whole range of fan experience from... Laura, who only started watching, and David Tennant. Right back to Andy, who was there when William Hartnell first... <laughs> <laughs> I recall having nightmares from Seeds of Doom. Uh, you are the writer of the new charter novel that has just come out, right? Um, last Wednesday?
1: Um, yes, last Wednesday it came out, yes. Um, and the audiobook and, and everything has been released on the same day. And it's been getting some very nice reviews, which made me feel rather overwhelmed um in a lovely way um and it all seems to be going very nicely and I'm terribly proud of it because it was a it was a very tough job I,
2: um, I can um, imagine
1: <laughs> and, well I thought it wouldn't be you see I thought it would be quite a sort of um jolly romp through the park of my sort of childhood and uh, that kind of thing but actually it's a very complicated story it's Douglas Adams I didn't want to let him down um and I wanted to sort of unravel and Uh, recreate the story as he would have done it if he'd had the time to do it because it was it was written at a very short notice the scripts
2: well um you yeah you just mentioned Douglas Adams and obviously had an incredibly distinctive voice when he was writing yes Um, did you approach it I guess there's kind of two basic ways there was like sort of how Sebastian Falks writes the Bond books you know as Ian Fleming trying to capture that voice and then there's more that kind of Uh I know Darwin Cook adapted Richard Stark's Parker novels as a graphic novel quite recently and he pulled it up into the present. So there's those
1: two routes. also the other thing is that Douglas writing for Dot Two is not like Douglas's other writing style. Sure. Hitchhiker's uh, the first two Hitchhiker's books are novelizations, basically speaking. Mm. Um so in a way I kind of went for his style there with very short chapters. Um, very easily readable. But the the thing is, the worst thing I could have done was begun it with a voice saying, out in the Googleplex galaxy. (laughs)
4: You
1: know. But the thing is, Douglas didn't write like that for Doctor Who. So we know I was capturing Douglas's Doctor Who voice, um, which I think is pretty perfect and has been sort of a heavy influence on my voice. Um, so, So plain and simple and get to the point in the story and all those lovely... Doctor Who things that Douglas knew. Um, you know, he, he really did know the series inside out, and um, really did know how it worked. He'd been, he was a, you know, he was the first fan writer,
0: right? Uh, if
1: you don't count Robert Holmes. I mean, there's so much stuff from the Daleks' Master Plan that turns up in Hitchhikers. The mice being transported to the planet, uh, the, um, the the sofa on the cricket pitch, the, um, you know, there were loads and loads of things from Doctor Who that Douglas. <coughs> maybe unconsciously wrote into his scripts. Are you
3: being... Are you seriously... Were those things all in Dalek Master Plan?
1: Yes. Well, they're elements of them. They're sort of... Douglasy extrapolations of what I think he would have liked to have seen. So Hmm. the Daleks come upon the mice in the jungle and they treat them as they think they are the scientists. They have a brief moment where they go, what are these creatures? (laughs) How have they transported themselves here? And Douglas, age 12, is thinking... That's a better story. <laughs> um, and in and a couple of episodes later, you know, there's the um, uh, TARDIS landing at uh, Lord's Cricket Ground. And mm-hmm. Douglas wanted that to happen very often. And there's, there's two commentators commenting on that. And that turns up in Dirk Gently and Life, the Universe, and Everything. I've so just been told that's in. Yeah. Wow. So he, just, he was very, very much a fan of Doctor Who.
3: Um, Gareth, can you tell
1: us how much of
3: a hero was he for you? Um, perhaps you know sort of growing up or before you started the book and did that make writing it daunting and was it difficult to write scenes um, about confusing computers with a logic logic and so forth
1: that- uh, well um, the thing is I mean I'd, I'd say in the book in the afterword that um my mum actually recommended she said to me oh there's a radio show that everyone's raving about and it's by one of the Doctor Who writers so I went to listen to it in the bath um and I was just sort of transfixed and transformed, really.
3: Mm.
1: Um, I love the fact that it took some elements of Doctor Who, the kind of Robert Holmesy, y elements, and then just turned them up even further. And um, when the first book came out, um, I, to my shame, I don't think I still have my paperback first edition, which I got virtually on the day it was printed. Oh. And Not only has it got the most beautiful cover, which is so strange and wonderful.
3: Is that the the one that was the multicolored effect? Yes. Yeah. yeah I never still have it, that somewhere.
1: Yeah. Is it glass? Is it plastic? Yeah. Is it? It's, it's whatever it whatever it is. It's computer, it's generated. It's computer generated. I've been told. But <laughs> whatever it is, it looks beautiful. Computer and that was generated
3: book, in
2: 1970
1: things? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, apparently. Yes. Well, he was always ahead of his wow. time.
2: I'm loving um, that Clayton's of doing a DVD commentary on got the got podcast got as got we're got doing got it. That's yes. Awesome. Yeah, got the, all the information.
3: <laughs> Hi, Clayton. Hi, Hello. Clayton. Hiya, Clayton. Hello.
1: <laughs> but I, I, I literally just, I couldn't stop reading that book. I read it over and over again to myself and to other people. Um, i just sit in the kitchen and read bits out to my mum, who would laugh politely, probably. <laughs> um, and I, I just thought it was a terrible shame, really, um, that a lot of that Douglas influence sort of disappeared from Doctor Who. I still love Doctor Who in the 80s, but... I thought it was uh, not as perhaps as imaginative, as playful as it had been. Mm. Um, so I missed Douglas, yeah. So it
3: was, but but it, in terms
1: it of it being daunting, yes, it uh, was. But in the end, you sort of think, well, I'm either going to be sitting here daunting, daunted, sat here daunted with a pen in my hand, not doing anything, or I'm just going to write the bugger. <laughs> um, so I, I did the, the latter. But I was never trying to write consciously in Douglas's writing style.
4: Given then, as if it was that kind of possibly daunting, and yeah. given
1: that Douglas, uh,
4: during his lifetime, refused to let any of his other stories be novelised at all...
1: Yeah, he wanted to do them, that's why. Right, OK. He has got this wonderful quote where he said, oh, I was phoned up by Target Books, and they and they said, would you like to do these? And I said, I'd love to do them, but I do have a nasty habit of being a best-selling, <laughs> multimillionaire author, and I cannot accept your BBC fee of £300. <laughs> um and and so that's what happened really i mean
4: is is this just another case then of him missing his deadline so royally that someone else has had well (laughs) i
1: suppose so but (laughs) i mean uh, i think it was just you know that um he just couldn't write for the money that they were paying then Mm. um it was just you know he priced himself out of it you know there was just no way it was feasible so there you go i haven't priced myself out of it
5: (laughs) Um, I've got a question that's nothing to do with Douglas Adams, and you might find this, that my questions are more non-sequiturs than actually proper questions, but, um, this is my question to you. Right. I think the Slovene were invented just as a vehicle for fart jokes. If you had to write an episode dealing with an embarrassing personal hygiene issue, which one would you pick?
1: (laughs) I don't think I'd pick any, really.
5: (laughs) You have to.
1: Oh, come on, that episode. (laughs) I had to. If in this strange world you're holding a gun to my head,
5: um,
1: I'd say, well, actually, no, I did write. Well, it's it's not an illness, but uh, many years ago I wrote a Doctor Who novel, I think it was the second one I ever wrote, called Tragedy Day, where some uh, android replicants of people have been slipped into um, this planet, and nobody could tell them apart. And the only thing that gave them away was that the wigs... Kept falling off, <laughs> oh. and I think that would be quite an interesting thing to do—to um, have the sort of like toupees slightly twitch at the at a telling moment near the end of an episode, maybe a cliffhanger. <laughs> you, know, you could have Amy, you know, being being given a nice cup of tea by Rory after she's been chased by a monster, and. And she looks at Rory's hair and it slightly slips.
5: <laughs> you know, that sounds brilliant because there's always people who you can never quite tell if they're wearing a toupee or not. I well, be like I'm a new there thing there for kids with, like the well, witches, where you try and see if your teachers have got toes or purple eyes, you know, like that, they, but with they hair. Have,
1: they have. That's an established fact.
2: I read a recent interview with, with you and you quoted Terence Dix, who was is quoting right? Robert Holmes, saying oh, that we've... writing prose is like digging trenches. Yes, because now I'm quoting you, quoting Terry, yes, Sticks, yeah. quoting I was, Robert I Holmes.
1: Was pleased to read that in a weird way because um, Robert Holmes died before I could meet him, or many of us could could meet him and really give him a good grilling. And um, so these little sort of parcels of information from those who knew him are very interesting. And um, yes, it's I, I like dialogue and I like setting scenes up very quickly, and I've. Been writing, been writing. I've been writing exclusively for TV for a long time, and I remember Russell T. Davis once said to me, "If you do that for a long time, you might find writing for TV will leave you with a TV-sized imagination, <laughs> um, and that you'll, you know." He was saying, "You know, like Jane Austen, if she'd been working for twenty years in TV, she'd have sat down to write a novel and go into the manor, dead." <laughs> you no, know. Jane entered the room casually, or you know, yeah, because. It takes a while to get back into it. And I've always found describing things really hard in life and in prose. In TV, I can say they walk out into an Elizabethan street, you know, and the mill can do that. Um, I'm actually having to describe things like that. I was never very good at that at school. In those describing essays, I always used to come quite low, because I was always into dialogue and character and drama. And and so, yes, that's the, that's the digging prose, digging trenches aspect of it for me. I think spec that might have been the same as Robert Holmes.
2: I mean I I take your point and I can see how some people's style might be a more natural fit for television but
1: actually your novels have been phenomenally well received and They have but you see the thing is they they leave me aching and and in a trench <laughs> <laughs> carrying a spade writing writing poetry about how awful the war is. <laughs> um and um but yes yeah, so I know I do enjoy um prose writing but um I think I, I, yeah, I need a, a, lot of incentive to do it. So
2: there's one far corner of some foreign field that will be forever Gareth Roberts.
1: Yeah, some Robert Holmes <laughs> will <with that. laughs> he
2: Well, I mean, for my money, only uh, only human, I think, is one of the best Doctor Who books I've ever read. I loved it.
1: Thank you very much. I I am sorry to be boastful. I I fully agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. It's the best. Is the
2: translation circuits? I think are oh, just brilliant.
1: Oh yes, that was that was very naughty. Um, get, uh, Only human, I'm a Dalek. Sharda, these ones I've done more recently. I think are, are quite different to the older ones. But I, people are always telling me the older ones are really good as well. So um, they're hard to find, though. Uh, like the the they're hard to find. I mean, I would like that to be different. I would, you know, I would um, one day. I just want to get hold of um, one of these Justin Richards or Gary Russell people and say to them, you know, can we have a nice hardback trilogy of my. Uh, Tom Baker stories. I'd love that. Um, and because I, I occasionally look back, back at them, open a page, you know, as I'm passing the bookshelf and go, oh, my God, what is an infelicitous adverb doing there or
0: something?
1: <laughs> um, but I think you can't go back and change things, really. Uh, so, But I'd like, to, I'd like to see them out again. It's horrible to be out of print completely, which I was for a few years. I mean, I was in constantly on telly, but when you're out of print, it's, it's a very odd feeling.
3: I think I've read somewhere that Stephen Moffat says he writes Doctor Who the way he remembers it from childhood, with intricate
1: plots and scary and funny moments. The Moonbase, basically, I think. Ah, yes, yes. Episode two of The Moonbase, the cliffhanger of them all going, um, which we've looked everywhere else. Oh,
3: yes, and the Cyberman's in the bed. Yes, yeah, yes. are yeah,
1: yeah. identical DMs to everyone else on the bed. <laughs> so um, when Polly points to it and goes, "Oh my God, you think it's just what everyone else is wearing?" Love, <laughs> um but but I think that traumatized Stephen. He's still feeling the trauma of that.
3: Uh, I've got a very uh, good friend who who remembers that scene very well as well. So it's obviously have had a huge impact.
1: Yes, I think he's brilliant. But he he loves that sort of um, you know, like in the curse of fenwick You know, the is it the there's a west wind. We're all right here because there's a west wind and it's oh yes and there's an easter egg that kind of thing yes loves yeah um
3: my question really is how do you approach writing the series do you base it on how you remember it to be or do you have an entirely different approach
1: um well just sort of bit of both really because i love the new series um what i find is that i like to keep the doctor looking not as competent at the beginning of a story just because i think one of the things i loved about the show as a kid was that he would wander into a situation and everyone would say, who is this fool? And by the end of it, it would all be sorted out and they'd all be sort of like falling to their knees and saying, please, please forgive us.
3: Like say snake uh, dance, for
1: example. Yeah. Something like that. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of quite like that. I think it's because I like the idea of somebody that's walks into a room and everyone goes, Oh no. <laughs> um, suddenly turning out to be the hero. I don't know why I can't figure <laughs> out why, I, why I think that. Um, well, I like him being sort of scruffy and disorganized. I think the, the idea of him being a grand crusader and and leaving Gallifrey to right wrongs, I just think, no, that's boring. That's, yeah. that's like a sort of Superman, American way kind of thing. I think it's... My feeling about him is that he's... You know, he really genuinely wants to be an explorer and have a nice time and see wonderful things. And and I think if we make him less of an innocent, uh, I think he's a bit sad, really. I like the idea that he's always optimistic that this time it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and but then when something happens, it's like, well, you do it. You help out because it's the decent thing to do. Um, I just find there's something quite touching and, and British about that. And
3: I think you see that progression in the Doctor's character in the very, very first series in the 60s, where he's he's kind of just sort of... Laughing. Oh, he just wants
1: to go home. In yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to the TARDIS, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's only because of girders and force fields. And <laughs> the stories don't the end, yes, yeah. And
3: he kind of um, learns how to become a hero. Well, I think
1: he I'm learns how this. to become a hero because they've realised the series is going to go on for longer than yeah. t- <laughs> Um, You know, it's like all those programmes with anti-heroes. As soon as you get to a certain point, they, they can't stay an anti-hero. Mm. I mean, I remember when um, the Dingles first came into Emmerdale and they were, like, they were like, it was like the Grapes of Wrath or Deliverance or the Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre. They were, they were evil creatures. They were, they, they were so vile. And literally, six months later, you turn on, they will be going, oh, let's go down to the bullpack pack and have a pint. No, because you can't sustain a long-running character that's, that's like that. Coronation Street, Brookside or Emmerdale? Coronation Street. Mandragora or Mandragora? Mandragora.
3: <laughs> Obviously, there's no other way of saying it, well is, is there? Daleks or Cybermen? Daleks. Clayton Hickman or Gareth Roberts?
1: Clayton Hickman. Wow. Oh. Aww.
3: <laughs>
2: Historical or futuristic stories?
1: um present day actually is the ones i prefer but out of the two i futuristic in a weird way
2: uh character driven or plot
1: driven i've never understood the difference (laughs) brilliant answer. i've never understood it Uh, people tried to explain it to me and i'm asleep by the end of their first sentence (laughs) cgi or practical effects practical effects um i love cgi i think it's marvelous but i love models um and mirror on and things like that and I think I was just watching some old red dwarfs as you do, and there were some lovely model shots in that. And sometimes I, on my rare visits to the cinema, and I see some CG epic, and it looks like a cartoon to me and uh, a, a not, not very involving cartoon. But uh, you've seen that film, Moon. Yes. Mm. That film, Moon, I mean, that's beautiful with the models. And, you know, I like models, but I also like CGI, which is better. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> But yes, I like a bit of both, but I think the sort of, I'm a model, I'm a model fan, really. A model citizen. Yes. Next.
5: Um, Now, both of these are quite sweet and a lot of their humour is based on being made of fat, but would you rather do another episode with James Corden or the Adipos?
1: With James. (laughs) Good, good. (laughs) Yeah. The Adipos are not available anyway.
2: No. Yeah, their career just went no. after that. No, no, they're being relaunched in
1: America. <gasps>
2: oh,
1: really? By Terry Nation. <laughs> 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 the Adipose the Destroyers is the first script. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking yes. that will go to Big Finish. It's 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 all up in the air. Toss coin. Who knows?
3: The Adipose Master Plan.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I always think that if if history had gone another way, and the Doctor had frustrated the Daleks in Genesis of the Daleks and the Clams. <laughs> Um, would have been the stars of all those stories, you know, the clams in Manhattan.
2: Remembrance of the clams. Clams, yes, exactly. The, spe- the, the special
1: weapons clam would have been, <laughs> the been pretty good. Be great there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> clam, Rob Sherman's classic episode, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, you know the, the, the Terry Nation's clam outer space pocketbook, you know, things like that. Would have been lovely.
4: Space or time?
1: Time. I think time's more spooky than space. Space has a very good go at being spooky, looming over us and being all infinite and everything. <laughs> but but time, you know time can do things to us, can twist us around and 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 be peculiar. And it could have could have sapphire and steel in it. So <laughs> Yes, yes. Next, sorry. Star Trek or Star Wars? Oh Lord, Star Trek. Um not over fond of either of them but star trek by an absolute mile to be honest um uh, there are bits of it which are just stunning the wrath of khan voyage home um see lovely early series magnificent episodes of next generation that i've seen and so i watched uh, first contact the other week for the first time in ages i think that's a lovely film yeah. um so so yes i think there's a lot but blake seven come on yeah totally yeah, well well that that that
3: Ask
1: Blake 7
2: or Doctor
1: Who. Blake oh. 7 or Doctor Who, Gareth? Blake 7. What? Oh, <laughs> interview terminated. Oh, what's happened? <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. I get very different things from the shows I like, but um, none of them have... Blake 7 had the biggest impact on me as a kid, but it was over and done with quite quickly, so ex- don't worry ex- about that.
3: Explain this, because um, I love Blake 7 as well, so yeah. please expound upon your answer. Um...
1: There's a wonderful, optimistic, pioneering, lovely, British, homemade quality to Doctor Who, which I absolutely adore. Blake Seven taught me about so many things in life and so much stuff about politics and a people. Um and I it sort of was a you know, a quite a cynical show, and it, it's got some lovely dialogue and um you know, anything that you know, it's a pantomime about fascism, which is quite a hard thing to pull off. Um and it does it. And I find it fascinating. And um yes, just the fact that it ends in in a glorious failure that seems like it should never have happened. You know, the um it it feels like the end of one of Shakespeare's histories. It feels like God, that actually happened. Um, it doesn't obey the rules of drama. It's like Stephen Moffat said to me, the ending of Blake Seven kills the fairy tale of Blake Seven to which I always say Proving that it wasn't a fairy tale. <laughs> oh, Moffat had, and his fairy said, tales. <laughs> he would have said. He said he would always have had Blake come to Avon come into Blake and say, "I know you would never betray me." And then they turn around together and get shot down with everyone else. Um, whereas I think the sort of tragic, crappy, real life rubbish of Tarrant mishearing something, and you know, it's like the end of Hamlet or something. It's just you know the horrible little accidents and. <laughs> and suddenly they're all lying dead on the floor. It was, you know.
3: a, it was a huge risk, and I remember being really sh- shocked by it.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, well, it finally, wasn't a huge risk, because the series was ending yeah. anyway. I it's, but
3: um, but it, I guess it was risky I mean, in terms of the BBC taking the decision oh, to do that. Oh, now? Now, that would never happen, particularly
1: yeah. because it was very much viewed by children. Mm. And killing the entire cast of a children's show just before Christmas... <laughs> was insanity but then we didn't have these these compliance people then
5: <laughs> just think okay. of the merchandising all the sort of cadaver dolls that you could have
1: <laughs> oh that would be marvelous and that would have happened you know had, had had it been made now but then then it would never have been on in that slot with that happening
3: but i'm very pleased
1: to have found you another blake seven fan this is great well yes i mean I, I when i say i prefer blake seven to doctor who you know it's there's there's a there's a Rizzler paper in between them if you know what i mean <laughs>
3: yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah and Doctor Who has so much more joy in it. Yes. Does the overlap
4: between Sharda and Dirk Gently bother you at all?
1: Not at all. No, no. I think it's quite interesting for people who are fans of the of that to 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 see what's going on. I mean, yeah. I know uh, the exec producer of Dirk Gently is um, who's a very good friend of mine. He's uh, also the exec producer of Sarah Jane Adventures and of the new series that we're working on now. Pardon me, Aliens vs. Wizards, plug, plug. Mm-hmm. On me versus lesbians? No, that's not true. That doesn't happen. <laughs> um, and um, and so you know we've had long talks about Douglas and uh, all that stuff. But no, no, I you know I don't think the confusion over Professor Kronosis is going to make people write in or get upset.
4: When 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 you're writing it, were you conscious that there was something else going on, taking sort of the same?
1: Uh, yes, but I knew that Crinosis wasn't in gently and St. is, but Crinosis isn't. I deliberately didn't go anywhere near the first Dirt Gently book um, because the Chronotis in that is, while being the same character, quite different. So I just sort of based him on the TV version and, and altered him slightly um, for my own narrative reasons. Um, it was an odd thing, but I, did, I didn't give him much thought, no. And because I knew that Dirk Jenny was in such safe hands because there's Brian, there's Howard Overman who writes Misfits and all that stuff. Mm. Um to my shame, I haven't watched it yet. I've got it all stacked up on the recorder, so um
2: I think you're gonna love it.
1: Good, good, I hope so.
2: Absolutely superb. How complete was the script that you adapted Charter from?
1: I mean Well, there were millions of scripts. Um Bob, I think there were about I think he did about two or three drafts. Um and then they go into rehearsal. And then they go into studio. So I had all the handwritten notes of what things were changed, even in rehearsal, because they recorded the first studio block and then they were locked out for the second. So they rehearsed the second studio block. And then when they got kicked out of the studio, if you're following this, Penn and Roberts took them all off and said, let's rehearse the third studio block. Mm. So the whole thing was rehearsed, if you see what I mean. And notes were taken on all and of notes that. Notes were taken for oh. all of the episodes. So I had access to all of that. I had access to a a handwritten scene that was shoved in to make episode one a bit longer, um, which is the only new, completely new Douglas scene in the book, and I'm challenging people to try and find it because <laughs> um, I've got lots of new scenes myself. But what what I did have was just um, everything, basically. And so what what my... If, if something had been changed by the cast or was worked out in rehearsal, I liked it. I kept it. I,
3: I've got a very, very, very geeky follow-up question on this, Gareth. Yeah. Uh, I recall when the Shada VHS came out. You know, yes, we Baker's all remember Lilla. that yeah. There was a script book with it, and the famous punt scene that was used in yes, the five. it's Zopty completely different. It's completely different. Yeah. I
1: was wondering, do you know why that is? Um, I think that was because Tom and Lala and Douglas rewrote it yeah. probably there on that day. <laughs> Um, what I did was I often kept both versions and trying to intermingle them. Yeah. Um, I've now got an image
2: of Douglas in a tiny little boat beside them, yeah. sort of yeah. frantically yeah. rewriting the script.
1: <laughs> yes, because the final scene as well of the original, um, which was rehearsed, um, the version in the script book is, um, explains who Skagra is, finally. That was cut in rehearsal. <laughs> 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 um, uh, um so i've i've i reinstated that i thought we needed an explanation and they wrote in some new stuff which was i wasn't quite too keen on some kind of oh it's the end of the series funny bit um and so i changed that and but sometimes if there was a good line or something it didn't quite fit in i moved it somewhere else but occasionally there would be just a dreadful thing that somebody had suggested in rehearsal Uh, there's a bit where Skagra says i have broken the code and one of the Krags says shall I mend it for you? <laughs> and I just went, no, no, we're not having that. So yeah. speaking
5: of that, have you have you ever written anything that's just so appallingly bad that you couldn't show it to anybody? And what was that? And what's the worst thing that you've I written? I
1: did show it to people. It well, was episode, I can't remember the number, but it was an episode of Emmerdale that was the worst thing. <laughs> it, also, it also was directed by nobody, as far as I could tell. It was a, a sort of wandering <laughs> camera everyone wow. every one of their lines wrong for some reason the wool pack they forgot to put the background ambience sound effect in so it felt like warrior's gate <laughs> just completely it felt, it felt like there was a cold wind whistling then they were all in a timeless zone during one particular scene somebody threw some darts in the background and they all fell out making a really loud <laughs> that
4: somebody quite embarrassing.
1: somebody mispronounced the line the words orange juice which i thought was really quite hard to do in the sort of pre-League of of Gentlemen way. It was was quite remarkable, um, quite, quite remarkable. I think I've got it on a video somewhere, but the night I watched it, I stayed up all night after it had been on, sort of in a trance. Um,
5: (laughs) I thought you were going to say downing bottles of absinthe.
1: (laughs) No, I was downing Red Bull and vodka. I I just could, I, I just sort of sat there thinking how has this happened? (laughs) (laughs) Alexander the great conquer the world by the age of 32. And I produced that. Um, um, There was no, no comparison. Obviously I'd done better, but you know.
5: (laughs) So speaking of conquering the world by the age of
1: 32, um, what is your top tip for people who'd like to write for the Beeb? Uh, Well, for the BBC? Yeah. uh, Oh, oh, wonderful. You'll be really well paid. No, um, what I'd say to them is have a look at the um, brilliant book last year, last year's brilliant book in which I write my tips on oh,
2: good. Mm. how
1: to write it on too. That's very good. You mean you haven't got it?
2: We do uh, have we it.
1: Do. Good, good, good. That's a, that's... But generally, I mean, the thing is you don't want to say, I want to write for the BBC. You want to say, I just want to write for television or something because, you know, um, you want to get out there and write for everybody, really, for television. Mm. um uh, who knows what the BBC will be like in even five, ten years' time? Um, scary thought. Scary thought. But then it's always been a scary place. It's a very, very strange organisation which makes terrible mistakes, and I think that's one of the reasons we've got to keep it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, the, the madness of it. Although it drives everybody that works for it insane sometimes, is is kind of a kind of a kind of a nice madness. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of. You know, it's a beautiful accident, you know, that nobody would set up a television company funded that way or run that way now. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just happened. And I I think sometimes things that just happen are just nice.
5: I've got to ask this. If the next doctor was a woman, who would you have play her?
1: Oh, I was thinking about this the other night, actually. Mm. I'm terrible with actors. I tend to say, they say, oh, who do you want for this part? And I say, Peggy Mount, or feigning that, um, Leonard Rossiter would have <laughs> 30 years ago. Uh, um, I just, oh Joanna Lomley was excellent in that um, uh, Curse of Fatal Death, death yeah. thing. Um, she could be a sort of heart doctor now, couldn't she? Um, sort of, um, um, but I think, oh, Ooh, it's too hard it's like you know it's like asking actually if you'd ask me male doctor i still would have not the foggiest clue
2: i tell you i was listening to matt smith on the nerdist podcast talk about oh. who his doctor would be if he could have anyone and he said peter sellers and my jaw hit the floor oh. i thought that would be inc- just incredible I, Peter it's
1: uh olden times and things like that i think we missed a lovely doctor with um um, David Collings, who was um, silver in Sapphire and Steel, which is probably way before your time, but
3: it wasn't he in Robots of Death.
1: He's Paul in Robots of Death, yes, and he's also Mordred in Mordred Undead, right. yeah. But he's uh, particularly in Sapphire and Steel. If you watch his performance in that, he just is the Doctor. I he's think... just a he's, he's a flirty man yeah. with mad hair and a lovely silver waistcoat and, and oh wow, oh, ah, Rowan Atkinson, I thought was amazing as well. Yeah. He was I, really good. Yeah, just just the right amount of, and I loved him. His delivery of things was absolutely right. So, um,
3: By the way, Gareth, can, yes. you, can you drop us some nuggets of highly intriguing yet non-spoilery information about the next season?
1: Not at all. There are no non-spoilery fragments. Ow. Everything's a spoiler. Ow. Ow. Uh, no, not at all. It, all I'll say is that it's amazing. That's good enough. At, at when, I, when, I, when I read the rough sheet of um, Stephen's plan, my jaw dropped on the first paragraph and by the end of the final paragraph I was sort of a gog on the floor. Oh. <laughs> um, so um,
2: That's good enough for me, Gareth.
1: Yes, good. Ha- yeah. Has yeah.
2: he stuck to his promise of throwing the lever the other way and 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 not sort of concentrating on the through line and just was really a promise?
1: Did he promise No he well, well you know, Moffitt lies but did he have to did he have to hold a book? Um <laughs> I'm just not gonna tell you. I think That's I... Okay. You yeah. it's just like it's it's yes it yes Clayton's just said it, it feels uh it's different um in a, some of the ways you suggest but in other ways completely unexpectedly so i'm just going to let you speculate because that's the fun
2: yeah and i uh, picking up on the what you were saying before about look always looking to the future i'm mm. i'm not on that at all i don't want this era oh, of sorry, doctor who ever because... to end
1: no, no, it's just that sometimes people, you know, people on the internet, which I know you're not, as it were, but a lot of the interest seems to be like, you know, um, I think people spoil it for themselves literally when they know everything about the episode before it's gone out. Because mm. um, we didn't, uh, ah, this is a good point. Uh, the Doctor the Witch, the, sorry, The Doctor the Widow with the Wardrobe was the first script I'd read for years for Doctor before it went out. Um, and I enjoyed it so much more. I was just, I was just every twist, every little turn. I was just going no, ah, oh, no. Oh, oh. um, so um, yes, that, that's all. I, I just think you know it's best to know as little as possible. You know, I, if I'm watching a series from, Ameri- from America and I manage to avoid spoilers, I won't even look at the box. Of the DVD, I'll just try and get the disc out and put it in, avoiding the menu and the episode title and everything, because I like to know as little as possible.
4: So, if if you had in an ideal world, then it, yes. assuming that um, for for whatever reason that the BBC is disintegrated and Doctor Who's not being made anymore, yes. what series would you like to write for? Discounting the obvious answer of Blake's,
1: well, I mean, I mean series that already established series or, yeah,
4: well, or or have you got a pitch of your own you'd like to, us oh, to make I've got so many you? but
1: I, I i never reveal them because they're they're jinxed from the moment you start <laughs>
4: it,
1: it goes into the land of development which is like the land of fiction but much much bigger <laughs> um everyone's maverick cop show runs in the land of development um i'd love to write blake seven um for modern television um I can't think of anything else that shouldn't... Oh, Sapphire and Steel I'd like to bring back. Those are are the ones I'd like to write of old series, of known series. Um, There's nothing else that really floats my boat at the moment, particularly, in Britain anyway.
3: Gareth, um, do you still wake up in the mornings and go, uh, ah, right, just get some breakfast? Or do you go, whoa, I work on Doctor Who?
1: (laughs) Uh, It's the former. (laughs) <laughs> um, i know it's a very strange thing to try and explain to people it's so uh, have you ever seen that simpsons episode the flaming Moe's? no I don't think yeah. I have. Oh, the, right.
2: the new drink with the yeah, way invented the he yeah, drink yeah, it is. yeah.
1: the coffee syrup um, and if you're and um, homer's feeling annoyed about something and um and marge says well you've made a lot of people happy and he goes yes marge i'm a happy man from lollipop lane <laughs> and um it can feel like a, a bit sometimes, but often I just don't. I'm often I'm just not taking in the fact that I am doing it.
2: Mm. If you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. It's 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 very strange that sort of because you think, well, here I am in my humble abode, tapping away, and this is a big, big show. Ah, for example, um, like um, on Saturday, Lala Ward appeared on Graham Norton. Did um, she? Yes, yeah, she did, and she. And plugged to the Shadow audiobook and she was very, very um uh complimentary about me
0: mm.
1: and I had to sort of go and lie down for a day. Yeah. <laughs> so things like that happen. It tends to be more with the older, you know, with Liz Sladen on Sarah Jane with when I when I met Nick Courtney and things like that because they have a real reverberation. I think if we all because everybody that works on Doctor Who more or less is a fan. So we can't really ever stop to go, oh, 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 look what we're doing, oh, my God, because the programme wouldn't get made. <laughs> no. mm.
2: You know, uh, we have that to a really, I mean, infinitesimal, tiny degree as well. Like yeah. uh, at Gallifrey last year, I think Laura asked a question and you recognised her by her
1: voice and we were like, yeah. what? Yes, yeah, well, that, yeah, it's, oh, that's, uh, yeah, I'd been recognised in the street in America, was a very, very peculiar thing that's happened to me because of Doctor Who um, and Clayton as well. We both recognized um, that kind of thing is very odd. But I remember I had an earlier exposure early exposure to this. So I was working on Coronation Street as a storyliner, and I had an episode before me that didn't really have an ending, didn't have a good cliffhanger. So I just wrote. Natalie comes around and, and Sally Webster slaps her in the gob. Um, and it was just a sort of afterthought to give this episode an ending. And then about, you know, eight weeks later it was filmed and the sun front page was, Sal slaps Nat. This huge thing. And I just thought, what? How can this be related? You know, it's, it's very odd. I mean, when, when the story of Deidre goes to prison came up everyone in granada was running around going she's going to prison um and then when it went out the whole country went crazy in the same way um yeah oh uh, claims just reminded me of another good one of these in the big bang theory recently they quoted a line from the lodger really wow, cool yeah. uh, um amy fair Fowler said monkeys 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 in that particular way and that was i had to lie down, then. To lie down then for a bit so <laughs> um yeah so it's it's not a feeling of whoa i'm writing doctor who are because you know life goes on and um you know every you're working and doing all the things that people do in their normal life and it's it's uh, as well i think it's only going to hit me 10 years after it's all stopped to be honest
5: so what are you working on right about now
1: we're hard at it on Aliens versus Wizards, which you are hopefully going to love. It's not connected to the Doctor Who universe, as it were, but it's um, the same team. It's um, me, Clayton, Joe Lidster, Phil Ford, with Russell in charge of uh, the stories and everything. And it's got, you know, if you love Doctor Who, if you look, particularly if you like Sarah Jane, you, you should love it. Yeah,
2: yeah. You had us
1: as Aliens. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's fine, <Yeah>. we'll watch. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really sad about
5: it. no lesbians, though, but, you
2: know.
1: Yes, yeah, so that's the second series. You see, I think we could, we could do a sweeps week.
2: i have a a laura style question um if two doctor who races were to star in a quirky odd couple sitcom where they live together with predictably hilarious results what two races would you choose
1: oh that's easy it would be alpha centauri (laughs) moves in with links (laughs) (laughs) Um, because alpha centauri you know would is all soft and quivery and lynx is very masculine and uh, definite and i think there could be hilarious complications about that going on in that yeah that be- i think that's the one alpha Centauri and lynx failing that the face of bow and the Hath. no 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 <laughs> 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 they're both underwater yes that's true yeah
2: <laughs> in your opinion which era of doctor who should be reevaluated, either positively or negatively
1: I'll tell you what. Now this must this reevaluation will happen, not now but later. But I find having worked with them both and seen, I, I think people don't appreciate the darkness of Russell and Russell's writing. I think there's you know because everyone sees Russell as being hello how marvelous you know um, oh a bin oh you know um, all that sort of thing. Oh, this a farted, they're on the toilet and everything. He also condemned the human race <laughs> to a cold, empty death at the end of the universe. He wrote that amazingly terrifying scene of the Doctor talking to Captain Jack through that red window in Utopia, which still haunts me. It's so dark. Um, Linda with a Y being blown out into space, you know. I think there's a lot there that people should look at and... Um, and say, you know, there's a, there's a whole wide range of stuff here, and a lot of it is very dark, darker than almost anything, you know.
2: Gareth, I, thank you very, very much for spending some time with us. Uh, we're really grateful, and everyone, go out instantly and buy the new Sharder novel. We, yes, uh, I yes. just read the back of it, just the, the uh, yes. blurb on the back, and I just want to spend the next few days doing nothing but reading it.
1: Good, good, good.
2: Uh, so I urge everyone uh, else on?
4: to do the same. Mm. I'm already doing just that. It really yep. is very good. Good, thank Finish you. Finish
3: listening to this episode first, please.
4: Yes. And do yes. that now.
1: Oh, what, how do I turn it off? <laughs> um, what do I depress?
2: The red
1: one. The red one. <laughs> no, they're still on, aren't they? No. This is the best yeah. ending They're of the still end. on, they're still on.
2: We'll go now. Bye. Very Pro. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh
4: we need to have that at the end. Of
2: the <laughs> Press the red one.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he nice?